All right. Let's just, uh, as the kids file out, let's take a moment to pray again and, and just settle our minds and dedicate this time to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge that you are our creator and you create beautiful things. You create rain and humidity and sweat. Jesus, we, we thank you that you came and, and even in our state of brokenness, you died for us, for our sin, and you rose from the dead and you give us hope and life everlasting in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, we call upon you to give us courage tonight to throw out what isn't true that we hear tonight and to believe what is true, to not harden our hearts against it, but to to believe what is true. And we ask that you would bless our time, Jesus, and we say this in your name. Amen. A couple announcements tonight before we get started. Um, If you're new with us, the way we keep ourselves organized is by this lovely sign-up sheet, which has kind of who's doing what, where, and when. Um, so it gets passed around. So if you're new with us and you don't plan on signing up for anything anytime soon, just pass this to the next person. But if you are new with us and you'd like to give us some information about yourself, you want to know more about the village, we have a blank card. You can tell us anything you want to tell us about yourself. Um, but there is one very important thing here that you need to make note of. This is the new sign-up sheet. And so it has places for two places for nursery, and it has a new two new slots because we've split what we call kid vespers, which is usually four to uh, four to eight, and um, we have two classes now: one that's four to five, and one that's six to eight. It says six to nine here, but it's six to eight. Um, and so, if you want to be in either one of those to help out on either one of those, you can do that. Um, anyway. The sign-up will go around. If you belong to the village, what we usually ask is that you sign up for at least five slots on the sign-up sheet. And that would actually include helping cook for the village. So if you want to do that, there's also a sign-up place here because we eat after every service. So anyway, this is kind of how we keep ourselves organized. I'm going to pass it around. Um, if you want more information on how we're doing Kid Vespers and all those good things, you can talk to me. I'll explain it to you. But I'm going to hand this. Actually, I'll hand this to you first, Ron. There you go. All right. So today is a very exciting day. For those of you who don't know, I'll explain how exciting it is to you. Um, so this is not an uncommon thing, the thing we're about to do um, at the village. Over the last eight years, um, we've had a couple renewal and rededications for weddings. We've actually had sort of a wedding here. We've had a couple renewals. And today, um, Corey and Mike have uh, asked, well, they asked me a long time ago, can we do a vow renewal here at the village on a Sunday evening? And then they said, let's do it in August 25th. And I said, it's going to be really hot. You sure you want to renew your vows in a sweat box? And they said yes, because all of you would be in the sweat box with them. So, but, so tonight, also, normally, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, and we're about to finish the Gospel of Luke. Um, and so what I did is I've kind of intertwined my message with their vow renewal. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to 
preach over them. And I'm going to preach to them on an occasion. I'll refer to you um, by saying this might be important to you too. And you can kind of listen in and, and, and enjoy them getting preached over. And then they're going to do some vows and some fun stuff like that. And then you get to commit to some things too. So I'm going to have them come on up, Mike and Corey. And they look so much better than me. That's why I wore the orange shorts so that you wouldn't at all think... Wow, that pastor's snazzy. And wait, wait till you see the person standing with them. He even looks better than any of us. So, <laughs> we're other than Corey, of course. So, you guys Google at each other and smile and have everybody look at you and, and we'll get to enjoy the little romantic people that you are. No pressure? Okay. Alright. So while you're doing that, if, uh, if you're new with us, I said we were going to the Gospel of Luke. We're finishing up. Luke is a doctor, and he's uh, spent a lot of time trying to get Jesus' story in detail. And so he's done interviews. He's looked at the original manuscripts of, of Mark and of Matthew. And so he's kind of combined those and his interviews to write the Gospel of Luke. And we've just been kind of going through these pictures of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. So we haven't gone through the whole thing. And tonight, we're going to be in the last chapter of Luke. So if you have a Bible, you don't have to turn here if you don't have one. There are lots of little Bibles around. We're going to be in the New Testament, um, which is the second half of the Bible. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, which is the very last chapter. So it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And we're in chapter 24. And we are going to look at verse 36 is where we're going to start our story, okay? And I'm just going to talk to them, and I'll talk to you, and this should be fun. So, let's get started. Let's throw down here with the two of you, and we'll see what happens. Verse 36, chapter 24, says this. While they were still talking about this. So, if you haven't been with us, there's some real crazy things that have been going on. Jesus dies, and then three days later... His tomb is empty. He's appeared to a few people. And some angels have showed up and appeared and said, oh, he's alive. And so all the disciples and the people close to Jesus are in this upper room, kind of freaked out a little bit. And they're chatting about, you know, all these appearances. But they really don't know what's going on. Because just a few days earlier, the guy they thought was going to save them got crucified. And now he's risen. So while they're talking about this, it says, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, it's kind of, I don't know if you have a friend like this. Maybe Mike and Corey have friends like this. Maybe all of you are Mike and Corey's friends like this. But that friend who they're not in the room, and then you turn around, and they're way too close in your personal space, and somehow they just showed up there, and you're not sure how that happened. Well, that's Jesus here. He's just kind of gone ninja, and they all turned around, and there's Jesus standing there, right? And he says something very important to them. He says, peace be with you. Now, I know Mike and Corey's story a little bit. And in talking to Mike, one of the things that I know is that Corey, in a lot of ways, has been Jesus to Mike. And in this way, what Corey has said and what Corey has been to Mike is a person who says, peace be with you. And this... This is why I say that. Because Mike told me just a few weeks ago that Corey marked the beginning of his journey back to Jesus. 
that Corey was the one who made it okay for him to head back, to begin to think about it, to begin to wrestle with it, and to engage Jesus. And so the message that this relationship started on is peace, be with you. And in marriage, that is the one thing that we all want and that we all hope for in our relationship, is peace, is peace. And Corey started out that way in this relationship. Now, verse 37 says, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Now, if your friend shows up ninja style, you would also be startled a little bit. But here's the thing I know about being in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is startling, and Jesus is frightening. Okay, He, he, he often shows up when we turn around and there he is in our personal space asking us usually to go places that we don't want to go, wrestle with things we don't want to wrestle with, and think about things we don't want to think about. Because usually our nature is to be against that. Now, the other thing though I know as a married guy of 17 years is that women can be slightly startling and frightening, <laughs> right? I mean, and, and so they kind of play that role. I'm pushing the limits of the text. It's okay, all right? You guys, it, it's, we're doing a vow, a vow renewal here. But, but it's true that, that in relationship, I don't know, for those of you who have been married or have been in relationships, when you are pushed together in marriage, have to live together, sometimes it can be startling. The person next to you can be startling. But for us in relationship with Jesus... I would say, when you think about startling, the thing that he's asking most of us to do is give up our self. Right? The big question that Jesus asks from us is to stop looking at ourselves, stop looking at our own pain, stop looking at our own angst, stop looking at our own, like, I want this or I want that, and look at Jesus. And make our life about Jesus, because what he promises is that will be more enjoyable to us because we will have peace. Now, in marriage, that gets worked out. That gets worked out. Selfishness is one of the main destructors of marriage. When you continually look at yourself and you're saying, this is, I want this from my spouse and I want that from my spouse and this is how I want things to be and I don't like it when this happens. What happens is, we become frightened and startled and our marriage doesn't have peace. Now, Jesus shows up, scares them a little bit, and, and it says, He said to them, what are, you what are you troubled? Or why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So Jesus says, even though I jumped out there and boom, I'm a ninja style here, he's saying, don't freak out, I'm not a ghost, I have flesh and blood. Look, touch the wounds, touch the side, don't freak out. Now, Mike's been up here before, We all, a lot of us know Corey's story, and we know that they're both autistic, right? And having relationship with somebody when you're autistic, if you cannot see them, it's very hard. It's hard for all of us, but it's very hard, right? You guys would agree when you can't see somebody it's hard to have a relationship so 
their journey with God has been rough in that way, in having God be tangible. And so I would say that like Jesus showing up and saying, touch me, these two lovely people have become Jesus to each other because they can actually touch each other, that they can have a real experience. And they both love Jesus. I know this. And so as they enter in, are in intimate relationship with each other, it becomes a way of being in relationship with Jesus. Would you not agree with me on that? Right? Now, a lot of us, and Mike's story we all know, is a lot like these disciples, where, where we have doubt. Right? And so what Jesus says to us, in a lot of ways, not just in marriage, but Jesus says to us in community together, is yes, I'm not here right now, but seeing us together with a common belief and touching and hugging each other and feeling that we're all real helps us, when we're going in the same direction and believing the same thing, helps us believe and helps us to have faith. And so Jesus says, touch me, feel me, see that I'm real. Verse 40. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. He asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Okay, a couple, couple things here. Um, in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis when God creates man and woman, God presents Eve to Adam. And Adam, in some ways, in his own startlement and joy and amazement, quotes the first poem that we have recorded. It's the most ancient poem. You know, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, is what he says. It's actually a Hebrew poem. But in his joy and his amazement, I think there was such an excitement that he didn't even really believe that Eve was real. He was just excited that there was this girl in front of him and he was complete. I know in talking to Mike, for sure, that he has said to me over the last three years that sometimes he doubts this relationship because it's just so amazing that Corey loves him. Right? That the sheer amazement of someone loving him is produces that sense of wow, I'm not worthy of this. It produces this doubt and in the midst of excitement. And so that, if you can, that's kind of the picture of what the disciples are experiencing. But then Jesus says, okay, yeah, you've touched my flesh, you've touched my, you know, my holes, and, and you're kind of grossed out because of that big spear in my side, and that's kind of gross, and you touch that, and that's cool. But he says, give me something to eat, because ghosts just don't eat. Even on TV, we see the ghost eat, and he you know, just goes right through him, right? So somebody who's got flesh and blood, they eat. And what do they give him? They give him broiled fish, right? Now, here's why I want to tell you. If Corey were there, she would not give Jesus broiled fish. I know this for sure because Corey is an amazing cook, and you don't give Jesus on his first meal broiled fish. I mean, I don't know if you've had broiled fish in the Middle East in the first century, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't taste good, right? It's not very good, but... It's not, but Jesus eats it anyway. But you know what? Here's, 
I think one of the joys in this relationship, and because I follow Curry on Facebook, I'm pretty sure that it's one of the joys in this relationship, is that she is always Facebooking, and I don't know if she actually tweeted, because I don't understand any of that stuff, but um, what she's cooking. Oh, I'm shopping at Sprouts. Oh, I'm going to do this organic, like, you know, thing with sprouts and, and meat, and then she shows a picture, and you're like, wow, that's cool. Lucky Mike, he gets to eat that, right? So we know that Jesus would have been a lot happier if Corey had been around, because we know Mike is. So, verse 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He then, then he opened their minds so they could understand Scripture. One of the things that I personally, and I'm a pastor, so I'm going to say this, but good marriages are built around husbands and wives who wrestle with Scripture together. Not you go out and do separate Bible studies, or not that you um, are reading your Bible by yourself and, and your husband is reading your Bible by themselves, but couples who really wrestle with Scripture who wrestle with God together have very good marriages because they are, what they're doing is they are having their minds opened. I will argue to you that one of the most mind-opening experiences I will have is to listen to my wife explain Scripture to me. It's awesome. And I never, ever see what she sees. And I never think about the Bible the way she thinks about it. And I'm convicted when she talks about Scripture. Now, for the apostles, what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying to them is that everything had to be fulfilled. So when he's talking about the law of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament. And what he was saying, and we talked about this last week, what he was saying was, look, the Old Testament, your Hebrew Bible, is my story. I show up in it over and over and over again. And there are very, very clear ways of things that had to happen. And so... He opens their mind and begins to explain that to them. One of the most mind-opening experiences I have, and I think it's key to marriage, is to wrestle with Scripture together. And then he says to them, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. If wrestling with Scripture is number one, number two and three in having a good marriage is being able to repent and forgive. And when we talk about repentance, repentance is not doing something against your spouse and then saying, I'm sorry. Right? Kids, you see this all the time, right? Our kids, they, they disobey or they do something to another kid, and then what do we have them say? I'm sorry. It's not, and it really doesn't have any power. One of the important parts of repentance for kids and for adults is this acknowledgement of what you've done. So being willing to say, this is what I did to you, and it was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Because saying sorry means you can say, I'm sorry, and then you walk away. 
you know, now you have to deal with it. But if you start repentance out by saying, this is how I've wronged you, will you forgive me? You place yourself in an extremely vulnerable position. In marriage, if you are unwilling to place yourself in an extremely vulnerable position, then you'll never get to know each other in relationship, ever. So the second part, though, of repentance is being willing to turn around from what you're doing. So it's not just saying, this is what I've done, and I will you forgive me? But it's saying, and I will commit now to turning and walking away from that, to stop doing that. So the two parts of repentance. Acknowledge, turn around. Now, in our culture, forgiving is actually the harder end of it because all of us want justice, and in particular in marriage. So if your husband or wife does something against you, there's usually you need to make them pay. Right? That's what you want to do. You need to pay for this. Right? But the powerful thing about forgiveness and, and why Jesus is talking about it in the context of the gospel is that justice, when Mike wrongs Corey and vice versa, the justice for them is not in the relationship. The justice is on Jesus. Jesus died for Mike's sin against Corey and Corey's sin against Mike. And so the justice has already been hammered out on Jesus. So when we forgive, what we're saying is, I am giving up my right to punish you because Jesus has already been punished for you. And so the second or the third key, I think, to having a very strong marriage is being willing to forgive, being willing to put aside your need for justice. Now, that's actually pretty hard to repent, to forgive, to even wrestle in Scripture together. The last thing Jesus tells his apostles is that he's going to send a spirit to clothe them or to power them, the Holy Spirit. The way that marriage works best is when you have God's Spirit. Because there is no way, personally, I think I can forgive my wife on my own strength. Well, I might be able to do it once for a few moments. I cannot repent on my own strength. But the way that you can repent and forgive and wrestle together is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the really cool special thing about Mike and Corey and about all of us in marriage. But tonight this is the special thing is them. Is that what they're saying up here in a lot of ways is look at us. Look at us and the way that we are willing to repent and look at us and the way we are willing to forgive because we are going to preach the gospel to you. We are going to talk about Jesus. You see, Jesus sends his disciples out to preach in Jerusalem and all the nations. But the way that Jesus is really talked about is when marriages work. Because marriages work on the gospel. And the gospel is about being willing to repent and forgive, to accept Jesus' forgiveness, and to repent for our sins. And so when you watch these two interact with each other, what they're trying to do when they're empowered by the Holy Spirit is tell you about Jesus. And so when they're coming up here and saying, after five years, we want to renew our vows, what they're saying to you is, guys, we want to be part of a community that's preaching the gospel through its marriages, and we want our marriage to be an example. 
Does that sound good? Okay, cool. okay with that? Awesome. Very good. And so what I'd like to do is just, here's Corey, here's Mike. They love each other. They are, I hope when you read the Upper Room story, you'll never, ever think of it the same. You'll always imagine Corey up there cooking something better than fish. Okay? And that you'll see Mike's story in that. And that you'll be able to celebrate them every time you read that story. But they have written some vows that they want to proclaim in front of you. And so while, I'm going to have the two of you stand up. Um, I didn't want you to have to stand up while I yelled. That's not going to work very well. Um, and I would like uh, Ron and Emily, who are standing with them, to come up. And I need a microphone um, so that everybody can hear. So come on. Look how cute they are. <laughs> awesome. We're getting batteries. We forgot that we needed a mic for vows. So we're, we're good. So I'll start with you, Mike. You want to start? Sure. Uh, is it on? Hello, hello. Can you, you hear go. me? All right, nice. all right, cool. All right, so you're gonna you get to watch me hold this paper really close to my face because I have horrible eyes and I forgot to enlarge the font. So I apologize about that. Uh, seven years ago, you entered my life when I least expected to fall in love with anyone. And five years ago, I lived the best day of my life when I got married to you. Over the last five years, life has gone crazy with both good and bad things. We both lost two jobs. I was in a band, we started college, we finally moved out into our own place, and now we're embarking on another great adventure as we look into adopting our own child. Some things have changed since five years ago. I've become a Christian. The things that seem so important to me aren't as much anymore, but one thing that has never changed is the way I feel about you. I'm glad that we've decided to renew our wedding vows in front of our village family, and I'm glad that we've decided to write our own vows. So, Corey, these are the things that I promise to you. I promise to love you, to honor you, to put your needs and concern first before mine. I promise to always talk to you about everything, whether life is good or I'm all locked up with anxiety. I promise that you'll be the person who will see it all with no filters. I promise that my longing to see you happy and smiling won't get in the way of your need to have a place to go and talk about anything and everything. I also promise not to try to fix you, but to just listen to you the best that I can. I promise to lead you well, to always look to God and the Bible for my instructions on how to take care of you and our soon-to-be family. I promise also to check in with Ron Lehman <laughs> and other men at the village who will help keep me on the right path. I promise that when we do have children, that they will not take the place that you hold in my heart. I will always love you first and make time for you and your needs and longings in my life. And finally, I promise that when I mess up one or all of these promises, I will offer grace to myself and not be too hard on myself. I promise to see me through the eyes of Christ and also through your eyes and offer myself the same love and kindness that you always have. I love you, Corey, and I'm so grateful for where we are, and I'm so excited to see what God has planned for us next.
going to be hard to follow. Um, <laughs> um, Mike, I promise to um, to keep making you laugh. I promise to keep doing funny voices at random times. Um, I promise to continue to do a Swedish chef impression while I'm making dinner because I know you really enjoy that. <laughs> and I also promise to continue making baked CD and that sun-dried tomato garlic bread that you like on your birthday. Um, I also want to thank you for saving me from a future of becoming a crazy cat lady um, because I don't really like cats with the exception of the Macaulay's cats. Um, I also promise to always be in your corner for love and support, to be your sounding board, to let you know if you've gone overboard and I will never love you less even when we disagree. I promise to always thank God for you as I kiss the top of your head when you're in the recliner, when you're asleep as I'm getting ready to leave for work, when you surprise me with coffee on your way home or Dunkin' Donuts on the weekend. And I promise to always love you, to always give you 100% of what I have, never give you cause to doubt it, and always put God first, because if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have you in my life. And in front of everyone today, I promise to remain your loving and devoted wife and to follow your example. The greatest honor over the, the past seven years has been being your wife. I love you. Wow. If you would take her flowers, you guys want to exchange the vows? Or I don't know. I'll take how about I take and I'll hold this for you. If you guys would, would hold each other's hands, I know you don't have rings and look at each other. And and I know, like, I say this, and I didn't get to marry you guys, so I usually say this to everybody I marry. It's usually a big audience. So just look around, because this is, you know, this is a good opportunity to see all the people who love you and care about you and um, enjoy them for... <laughs> I know how much you like people staring at you, so it's good. You're right. But, you know, Corey and Mike, and hearing your words to each other, um, I just want to ask, before God, are those words things that you are willing to put your time, energy, and your whole body and life behind? The words that you've spoken to each other. You can say we do if you do. We do. Community, you guys heard what they said to each other, and you heard their silliness and, and how much they love each other. Um, they love you. You don't know how much they love you. They really, really love you, and they want you to be part of their life. And so I'm just going to ask, at whatever capacity you're at, are you willing as a community, and you can say we do if you do, are you willing as a community to put your time, energy, and life behind these two to see them grow into the likeness of Jesus and into good people? All right, well, you know what? I think the two of you should kiss. It's not right. It doesn't happen at all. Be, be, before we, we go... I, I'm going to ask Ron if you would lay hands on uh, Mike and, and Emily if you would lay hands on Corey. We're going to pray for them, so if everyone would just bow their heads, I will pray. Father in heaven, we love Corey and Mike, and we love that they love each other, and they love that they're gospel to us. They preach Jesus. 
and the way they love each other. Give them strength to continue to challenge us and to encourage us and to give us a a picture into who you are and the way you love us, Jesus. We ask that you would be behind their endeavors and give them courage and not fear in this world that doesn't always offer us good things, that they would have courage. I ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can you can give them a hand and they can sit down. <laughs> you may be seated. Um, so tonight you got to hear their story a little bit. You got to hear the apostle story a little bit. Here at the village, the next part of the service is just responding to the word that's been proclaimed. And there's a couple ways we'll do that. We'll sing some songs um, and we'll do offering, which if you're visiting with us, we're just happy to have you. You don't need to give anything. Um, if you're a villager, this is the way that we keep the lights on at the church and um, keep us fed and all those good kinds of things. So if the last person would put the basket in the back, um, that would be awesome, under their chair or whatever. Um, the other way to respond, as I was saying, is communion. And uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. And don't be startled. This bread turns out to have herbs in it. So um, that hopefully won't startle you. And... At the end of the Passover meal, um, Jesus took the wine and he said, This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. When you come up here, and and I would would even encourage you if you have kids to talk to them about this, but when when you come up here, you're taking symbolically God's body and you're dipping it in God's blood. and, And it's it's a for us as Christians, followers of Jesus, it's a mystical thing. We say it's a symbol, it's not literally God's body or blood, but there is something mystical. And so when you come up here and take the bread and the wine during the singing, expect something. Expect God to speak to you, to remember who He is to you. So if you can do that, if, we're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're happy to have you here and we would ask that you not take communion. It's the one thing that's super special here, and, and it's important that you not take it if you're not a follower of Jesus. But we're going to spend time singing. We're going to spend time eating together. We're going to spend time responding to God's Word. So let's do that together. <laughs>